When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 100 of the Talking Fires podcast. That's right, we've made it to episode 100. Thank you so much for listening, watching, uh, and that's what I want to start off this episode with. We'll talk about a hypothetical Trey Mancini trade uh, that I wrote up for Gaslamp Ball and kind of discuss that and the possibility of Trey Mancini coming to the Padres. Uh, We'll talk about a big list that ESPN unveiled this week about the top 100 players of all time and where Tony Gwynn ranked and Dave Winfield uh, and just some issues I had with that and guys that I would rank in front of him, a couple big name guys uh, that I think that Tony is better than um, and should be ranked higher than. Uh, But I did want to start off with thanking you guys, the listeners, the viewers, for watching and listening to this uh, show, this podcast. Um, I started this, you know, in April of last season, um, just because I'm passionate about the team. I love talking with fans, discussing things with fans, and it's been a great outlet, and uh, it's been really fun creating content for you guys and getting feedback uh, from different people about things regards to the show, things I talk about, you know, things, you know, if they agree with a trade that I suggest, or if they agree with something I say or disagree, or some, I've had some people, you know, get back to me about uh, some thoughts that I had or some thoughts they had on some previous guests that I've had in their comments and all that. So I really appreciate it. Um, And before we get into you know, man's the Mancini possible trade and the ESPN rankings. 
I did want to also thank every single guest that has been on the show thus far through um, the first 100 episodes. We don't have one today, obviously, um, but I just wanted to thank every single guest. Jesse Agler, Padres radio voice, who's been on twice. Chandler Rome, Astros reporter, he was on. Derek Togerson of NBC. Evan Roberts at WFAN. Chris Ello, Matt Scraby. Um, of 97.3 The Fan, Matt Baskersian, MOB Network, he came on, Marty Caswell, Jay Posner, Braden Surprenit, Stephen Woods of Ben and Woods, Skip Schumacher, who was uh, the bench coach at the time, Jared Kravis of Barstool uh, Sports starting nine. That was a great interview. Um, Jim Callis, he will join the show uh, probably post-lockout uh, again, but thank you for him for the first time that he came on. Ryan Cohen, Super Padre fan, thank you for coming on john schaefer jim russell of uh extra 1360 they have john and jim that great show they uh shouted have already shouted me out i appreciate uh them coming on and them spending time with me uh paul rindle danny vietti clayton richard and tyson ross two former padres took time to talk rob friedman most recently pitching ninja he was great talking about you darvish and uh different pitches and uh, just conversations that he's had with you and he talked about where the if the Padres could have the best pitching staff in the league so you can look at that uh, video if, or video and podcast version if you want to Ernie Martinez is another one that came on David Sampson former MLB executive kind of talking about AJ Preller behind the scenes and some experiences that he has had with AJ Jacob Redondo you know a childhood friend teammate that I had He's a big part of friend. He came on. So thank you to every guest that has come on. And thank you to all the future guests that I'm going to have on. I hopefully have some big plans coming in terms of a couple, a few guests, big time guests this year. Uh, we'll see if that happens, uh, but stay tuned for that. But just wanted to start off this episode by thanking everyone that's you know paid attention and everyone that's come on. I really appreciate it, and let's just keep going. So let's get right into it. Uh, first, talking about the possible Trey Mancini trade. I wrote on GaslightAndBall.com. Uh, this article came out on Thursday about a possible Trey Mancini deal. Um, the Athletic had an article earlier this offseason. I forget if it was during the lockout or before, uh, about one player on every team that could be traded, and Trey Mancini was the big trade possibility on the Baltimore Orioles and I wrote an article about it like I mentioned on Gaslamp Ball you can check that out and I'll share my screen a little bit and talk about it a little bit more in depth and for people that just don't want to read it I'll talk about it here they didn't see it I'll talk about it now so I'll share my screen for the YouTube audience and for the podcast audience just keep on listening along so I had now, this is just a hypothetical trade. It could be a trade that happens, a trade that doesn't happen. Likely, it doesn't happen. You know, there it, it's not too often that hypothetical trades, like exact hypothetical trades, actually do happen. Um, so the trade that I suggested was the Orioles receive Reese Kinnear. He's a prospect. He appeared in the major leagues last year for the Padres. And in return, the Padres received Trey Mancini. Now, that might seem lopsided, maybe in favor of the Padres. You know, some casual fans, they Trey Mancini's a name. He participated in a home run derby before. Uh, he's a big name, obviously, a actual, like, 
major leaguer. Reese Kinnear has been up and down with the Padres. You don't really know if what he's going to turn into. Um, but based on baseballtradevalues.com, both had pretty much the same trade value at $1.4 million. Uh, so it, it, it would go through in terms of a hypothetical possible trade um, in that system that I plugged it into. So I, you know, read a reply on Twitter to this article that I wrote about, there's no way the Orioles would do this because Trey Mancini is a fan favorite um, and Orioles wouldn't want Reese Kinnear. I'm not, I'm not necessarily, you know, just saying that it, it has to be Reese Kinnear in the deal that the Padres, you know, would give Kinnear to the Orioles. It could be another prospect and Ethan Elliott, someone like that, just someone, but it's, it, I don't think this trade would, you know, make the Padres deal a Luis Camposano. I know that wouldn't happen with the Orioles because they already have Adley Rutschman probably, but um, so that not Camposano, but someone like that, like a CJ Abrams, obviously no Gore, no uh, Hassel, no James Wood, probably no. So there's a lot of guys that I'd say no to in terms of prospects, untouchables in this deal for Trey Mancini, because he's not, he's not like, a Chris Bryan and Nick Castellanos level of consistent power production. Um, he's played DH. He's played first. Um, so he can play the outfield a little bit too. So there are some people that say, oh, he's only a DH. And he might be that for the Padres if a deal happens just based on roster or um, if Hosmer's still here and they somehow still want to play him at first base. He and they they bring in another outfielder, or they have Tommy in left. Tommy Pham comes back in left, or whatever. Uh, so there's situations where he might only DH. Obviously, this is assuming that a universal DH happens, but he can play other positions. So and Preller likes versatility, so that's an aspect that I would look at, you know, with it. But so in terms of the Orioles, they'd part with Mancini. Um, be, I know. They probably won't, but if they do, I'd understand. I think Orioles fans would probably understand why, because he's not under contract for a while. You know, his contract, he's making only $8 million this year. He has this season, this coming 2022 season to go before free agency. So, and they haven't had an extension yet. You'd think that they would have already had one uh, if they would have worked one out, right? Um, and I understand, you know, with the whole story about Trey Mancini, you know, fighting through cancer, great story. You can only root for him, you know, um, he's just one of those guys that you just root for regardless of what team, um, and especially like even Yankee fans could probably still root for him because like the Orioles aren't a threat to them. The Orioles just stink right now. And that's another reason, you know, Mancini's going to be out of his prime when the Orioles are in contention. So in terms of the Orioles' willingness to give him up, an extension hasn't been reached. Um, they can get something back where he could help. The, that prospect could help the Orioles in the future. And they allow Mancini to go play for a contender, at least on paper in the Padres or another team. So I think that the Orioles would be willing to do it. It's the fans, obviously, that probably wouldn't like it. Um, but the fans aren't the ones making the moves. So in terms of the Padres, though, I know 
this isn't like the sexy option, right? With Chris Bryant, Nick Castellanos out there, Kyle Schwarber's out there. He's probably an even sexier option, you know, than uh, Mancini. Um, Nelson Cruz obviously is out there, but in terms of contract, right, it's less than $10 million. You only have to give up probably one prospect. You're not going to have to give up a lot. And he does have some power numbers and he provides, he can play multiple positions. Like I mentioned, he has power, you know, um, and I, I think it's one of those things where it's a low risk type option for the Padres uh, if they were to get Trey Mancini. Like I mentioned with the versatility, can play first, can play left, can play right. He played all three of those positions in 2019, played first base for pretty much half the season last year as well. Um, I just think it could be a solid option, you know, third or fourth option for Preller if things, you know, don't shake out the way that they want to. Um, so I, I, I would be up for this. And I, like I mentioned, Mancini has power. Like I know that it, it's not as much power as a 30 home run guy. And I think that's what the Padres need, but let's say they combined a Mancini and like a Schwarber or a Mancini and a fam and a fam is a bounce back year and Mancini hits 15 home runs. You combine those two. Okay. There you have 30, 35 home runs between those two. And that's kind of the power production. Again, those are, that's low on the list. I think of dream scenarios for the Padres, but it's still an option. I think it's something uh, that the Padres should definitely consider if things don't work out the way that, seems like reports, you know, say that the Padres want to go, you know, signing a Bryant or a Castellanos or bringing in Nelson Cruz to be a DH, you know, someone like that. I think uh, Mancini is definitely a solid option. So that's the Trey Mancini hypothetical trade. If you have any hypothetical trades you want me to go over, obviously let me know. Um, YouTube in the comments. Uh, social media channels at talking fires, Instagram, Twitter, wherever, just get in touch, talking fires at gmail.com, anything. And I'll, I'll go over them and see uh, what I think and see if that's, if it's a real, you know, possibility. Um, now moving to the top 100 major league baseball players of all time, according to ESPN, this was released this week. Uh, it was different sections. So like 50 to 25 or something like that, 25 to one or 24 to one. Something like that. Uh, it was like on consecutive days this week. And today I'm recording this on a Thursday, going out Friday morning. Um, on Thursday, the full list was unveiled. Uh, Babe Ruth is number one. I disagree. I like to go with the more complete player, which is Willie Mays. But Willie Mays is number two. Uh, Hank Aaron, three. Ty Cobb, four. Ted Williams at five. Lou Gehrig, six. Mickey Mantle, seven. I'd probably flip flop Mantle and Gehrig, but. Uh, Barry Bonds is at eight, uh, Walter Johnson at nine, and Stan Musial rounds out the top ten. Uh, there were some really interesting decisions here. Obviously, when you have a hundred uh, player list, right? And this was, by the way, this list was compiled by not just one person or a computer. 
it was based on a variety of factors like war, their con the player contributions to the game, multiple things. Um, so it wasn't just number based or one single stat based, um, but it does get a little tricky when you're grouping pitchers and position players and DHs all in the same list. Uh, just because, you know, player position players play every day. They have more value to their team than Mariano Rivera or even Pedro Martinez, even the best of the best, because they only just pitch every five days. Mariano only play only pitches every couple days, every few days. It's not every single day like a Manny Machado does, you know, currently for the Padres at least. So I just said the top 10, Ken Griffey Jr. is at 13, Mike Trout is at 15. He's the highest ranked current player, which makes sense. Um, he deserves it. Uh, Cy Young's at 21, Tom Seaver's at 22, Ricky Henderson's at 23, Randy Johnson, 24, A-Rod's at 26, Jeter's at 28, Johnny Bench, 29, Pujols, 30, Mariano's at 31, Bob Gibson, 33. I'm just talking about some notable uh, players in this top 100. Joe Morgan at 37, Jackie's at 38, Yogi Bear at 39, Nolan Ryan. I thought this was pretty low for Nolan. Uh, he's one of the greatest pitchers of all time. He's only at 42. George Brett, 43. We'll get to Tony Gwynn. He's at 44. Ichiro's at 46. Frank Thomas is at 49. Kershaw's at 52. Mr. October, Reggie Jackson's at 55. Padres legend Dave Winfield's at 56. Miguel Cabrera is at 59. Yaz is at 61. Big Poppy, 63. He was the only Hall of Fame inductee for this year, obviously. Scherzer's at 65. Calican Jr. is another one I disagreed with being this low. He's at 66. Uh, let's see. Al Kaline's at 71. Former Padre Ozzie Smith's at 69. Uh, Chipper Jones at 78. Mike Piazza, former Padre, 81. Uh, let's see, Shoeless Joe Jackson at 89, Smoltzies at 93, one of my favorite players, Bryce Harper's at 94, Adrian Beltre, 97, Tomey is at 98, Barry Larkin rounds out the top 100. Uh, so that's the list. The YouTube audience obviously saw me scrolling through it. I wanted to get specifically to Tony Gwynn and him being ranked at 44. I think it's definitely low. And I wanted to start off, and this is an article that also went out on Thursday at gaslampball.com for me. Uh, I wanted to start out about Tony and why, or just a, a big problem I had before getting into a couple players that I think should definitely not be ranked higher than Tony. Uh, let's start off with Ted Williams and Tony Gwynn. Now, the two greatest hitters of all time, I think, you know, universally is Tony Gwynn and Ted Williams, right? And it's a, it's literally a debate. Like, it's kind of like MJ against LeBron in basketball. It's There's actually a debate. It's not one-sided like the NFL where Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. Like, it's not a debate there. It's a debate, greatest hitter of all time, Tony Gwynn or Ted Williams. There's people on both sides of it, you know? I'm obviously on Tony's side um, with no disrespect towards Ted Williams. I mean, he does deserve probably to be top five, at least top 10 player of all time on that ESPN list. But if Ted Williams and Tony Gwynn are, you know, this close to each other, 
in terms of being the greatest hitter of all time. I think that Ted Williams and Tony Gwynn should be closer ranked to one another. There's a big gap, over 30 player gap between where Tony ranks at 44 and where Ted Williams was ranked by ESPN at five. If they're that close to one another in terms of hitting talent, in terms of playing talent, why is Tony such lower on this list than what Ted was? When he he faced tougher pitching, he just did. You know, he faced the big three in Atlanta. He had to face Randy Johnson. You know, he fa- he, and that's just the start of it. You know, he faced Oral Hershiser. There's a lot of guys that he had to face uh, that threw harder probably, just had more pitch selection. It was harder to hit off of than what Ted faced. Um, and so that that's the first thing. That's the first big issue I saw. If Ted is at five, Tony should not be miles and miles away from him in terms of their ranking, in terms of this list. Again, Ted at five, Tony at 44. There should be a much smaller gap from those two. So now let's get into a couple players that I think the Padres, or excuse me, I think that Tony Gwynn should be ranked ahead of on this list. Now, this might surprise some people. I'm definitely going to get some flack and going to be a lot of of Yankee fans and Royals fans will be in my mentions on Twitter, but I don't care. This is my opinion. This is what I think, and I think that I'm right. Now, I like I mentioned earlier, I love the conversation. I love people coming back at me, and maybe that changes my opinion slightly on things. Um, So go ahead. If you disagree, let me know. But this is two players that I think should definitely not be ranked higher than Tony. Number one, George Brett. Uh, George Brett, again, when we talk about former players comparing former players, especially with like the MJ LeBron debates and stuff like that. It seems like if you take one side, right, you're taking one side, you take MJ's side, you're bashing LeBron. Like you're saying LeBron sucks. You take LeBron's side, you're saying MJ sucks. When that's not really the case, you're just trying to make an argument for one against the other. You know, they're both great talents. And same here again with George Brett and Tony Gwynn. George Brett's one of the base, best third basemen of all time. He won a World Series. He definitely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, you know. Um, but when you look at the numbers, like I looked at earlier this morning, I, I, I'm i sorry. I would put Tony, and this is, I tried to do this without bias, to be honest. I just looked at the numbers. I didn't look at, oh, I'm not a Royals fan, and I'm a Pottery fan, so I'm going to pick Tony. Same thing with the other guy that I'm going to talk about. No, I just looked at the numbers. And I, as I wrote here, George Brett, by the way, was ranked number 43. Tony was 44. So we're splitting hairs. They were already splitting hairs. I'm sure some people had Tony above George Brett. But in terms of the official rankings, George Brett's ranked higher. I don't believe that he should be. Uh, Brett is not considered on the same level as Tony in terms of hitting ability. And, I'm, and, and to be honest, I don't think he should be on the same level in terms of playing ability. Um, George Brett, he hit 305 in his career. He had a 369 on base percentage. That's great. That's Hall of Fame. Hitting over 300 for your career, that's amazing. You know, he uh, won a World Series, like I mentioned. But 
In comparison, Gwynn hit 338, and he had a higher on-base percentage at 388. Now, when you look at accomplishments, not just stats, you look at accomplishments that they had. George Brett won one gold glove, while Tony won five. Gwynn, 15-time All-Star. George Brett, 13. Gwynn, seven silver sluggers. Brett won four fewer, three silver sluggers. Again, we're splitting hairs like I mentioned here, but when you look at accomplishments, you look at stats, I get George Brett had more home runs than virtually anyone ranked ahead of Tony did in terms of hitters because Tony wasn't a power hitter. He was a just a pure hitter. Um, so I would put Tony ahead of George Brett. If that means that they just flip spots, okay. But I think he should be in front of Brett. The second guy is the YouTube audience probably saw when I was scrolling down. Derek Jeter is the second guy I would definitely have lower than Tony. I think Tony deserves to be better and higher ranked than Derek Jeter. Yankee fans, I'm already prepared for the onslaught that I'm going to take for this. Um, Like I mentioned here, I can already envision all the Yankee fans coming at me right now. Uh, Jeter was ranked 28th on ESPN's ranking. So that's a big gap between he and Tony. Uh, But I still believe that Tony should be ranked higher than Jeter. Part of the reason why Jeter, you know, Hat was so popular and had the success, and maybe even was is because he's ranked higher than Tony and that much higher than Tony is because he did play for the New York Yankees, the biggest baseball brand in Major League Baseball, one of the biggest brands in sports in the country, in the world. Um, and he was known as the captain, he was the star shortstop, one of the most recognizable brands in the world. And so, compared to the Padres, yeah. They're way, they're way more popular. Uh, people on the East Coast watch Derek Jeter every night. They didn't do that for Tony Gwynn on the West Coast. Um, in the 1998 World Series, guess what? Tony hit a home run in game one uh, off of David Wells. Um, and that was along with the back-to-back homer with Greg Vaughn, obviously. He showed up in the playoffs most of the time. He showed up in that World Series pretty well. Um, and that's one of the big moments in Padres history. Jeter played well in the postseason as well. But I'm saying that I, I don't think it, you can deny that part of the reason Jeter had this much success was because of the team that he was on, the teammates around him. Um, he got better pitches to hit, uh, had more runs scored. Uh, he just had more opportunities to show how good he was compared to Tony on the big stage because Tony just didn't, he, he wasn't on the Yankees. If Tony was on the Yankees or the Red Sox, I mean, I don't even, he might be, I might be taking this too much, but he might've been, he might be a top 10, definitely top 20 player of all time. If he was on the Yankees, Red Sox, or even the Dodgers because of how much, more people pay attention and you're not forgotten because it seems like for me that the casual fans, when they rank, when they just talk about players like Jeter, it seems like is always like top at the, of the list. And like, that's the first name that comes to mind. And maybe that's just because of it's the younger audience and all that. And that's who they, you know, watched growing up. But it seems like outside of San Diego, like, 
Tony and outside of maybe Harold Reynolds and Matt Vaskersian and guys on MLB experts, you know, guys who that's their job. Uh, it feels like Tony's overlooked and I think that he should be ranked higher than Jeter. Um, look, no disrespect to Jeter, one of the greatest shortstops of all time. He was in the same lineup though. You have to take this into consideration. He was in the same lineup as Mark Scherer, who will be on the Hall of Fame ballot as Jorge Posada, who I believe was on the Hall of Fame ballot. Uh, Alex Rodriguez, who's on the Hall of Fame ballot, hit over 600 home runs. Robinson Cano, who obviously Cano was in his prime as as arguably the best second baseman in the league uh, during those big World Series runs. Johnny Damon was another guy that was his teammate. Hideki Matsui. Who is on? Who is an underrated DH? Curtis Granderson, who might end up being on the Hall of Fame ballot. So he had a lot of great teammates in that lineup, and got better pitches to hit than Tony did. I believe that. And you know, when you have a Rod, you know, in the on deck circle or in the hole, that can be much easier for an opposing pitcher to let Derek Jeter, who had a lot of singles, uh, get good pitches to hit in comparison to when you have Tony Gwynn up at the plate and the Padres cleanup hitter is someone named Phil, uh, excuse me, someone named Phil Plantier. Uh, And no disrespect to Phil, he was a major leaguer, but in comparison to some of the teammates Jeter had, uh, yeah, he was like a minor leaguer compared to some of the teammates Jeter had. Gwynn, yes, he had Ken Caminetti. He had Greg Vaughn, who hit 50 home runs in 98 that one year. Caminetti did win an MVP in 1996. Uh, but Steve Garvey, yeah, he had a great postseason moment. He, his number shouldn't be retired, by the way, as I mentioned multiple times, um, because he had one great moment and they didn't even win the World Series that year. And he's known as a Dodger, so I, I don't understand why it's retired. I'd swap that out, that number out for 44 when Musgrove's done. But that's just me. Anyway, Steve Garvey was in San Diego when his top five MVP finishes, top six MVP finishes that he was having in his prime. Those days were long behind him. He was like 37, 38 years old his last two seasons with the Padres. Like I mentioned, Phil Plantier, in one of Tony's best years, he had that career year before the work stoppage, hit 394 that year. He had Phil Plantier as his cleanup hitter. Plantier's career war, not single season, career at 2.3. Tony, just for some perspective, he compiled 12 seasons with a war better than Plantier's career war. So that just shows perspective. Tony did not, it's just a fact, Tony did not have the support in that lineup. Uh, He just didn't have a great team around him consistently like Jeter did. That's just the way it was. It just is. But when you look at those com- accomplishments, their stats compared to one another, they both played 20 seasons. So that makes it easier on me and other people to compare one another than it was for some guy, uh, a pair of players that didn't, you know, do 20 years each or have the same amount of years. But in terms of accomplishments, I mean, Gwyn is just for me, he's the better guy. Gwyn had one more all-star selection than Jeter. He won two more silver sluggers. Same amount of gold gloves. Uh, eight more batting titles. Jeter had zero, by the way. And Tony missed the playoffs. His team, the Padres, 
missed the playoffs 17 out of his 20 seasons. That's make the, you make the playoff three times, only three times in his career. That just shows he wasn't on great teams. Wins war was still only about two wins worse than Jeter's. So the gap between Jeter, where he was ranked at 28, and Tony at 44 is way too big. If you want to make the the you know argument saying that Jeter should be ranked ahead of Tony because he was great in the postseason and all that stuff. He played for the Yankees. There was more pressure on him than Tony, blah, 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 whatever. Go ahead. But the gap should not be that big. Just like the gap should not be as big as it is between Ted Williams at five and Tony at 44 when both are considered on the same level as the greatest hitters of all time. So if you agree, let me know. If you don't agree, let me know as well. Love the conversation. Again, thank you for listening and watching to episode 100. We've made it to episode 100. I should have more content, obviously, next week. Probably, you know, three video, uh, three episodes at least. Try to do that every week now. Uh, thank you so much for listening and watching. Until next time, let's go Padres. And I hope you enjoyed the episode. Have a good one.